I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, always interested in a worldview, uh, much like my own, bionic. Well, you're going to have your worldview challenged and expanded <laughs> further, like our Futurian listeners have every week. We have a fantastic guest who has been recommended to us on our show for a number of years, and we finally had an opportunity to work it out. We have the one, the only, Brandon House, the president and founder of Worldview Weekend Radio Ministry, and we're going to be talking this week about a topic of real interest to our listenership. We're going to talk about the Glenn Beck seduction of evangelical Christianity. And I first want to say, Brother Brandon, thank you so much for taking some of your very valuable time to join us and our listeners here on the Future Quake Show. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, I, I know that you have 18 things going at once, and you have to be three or four places at once. You you probably wish they had the cloning technology now so you could be at all the meetings that you're scheduled at uh, as well as Well, I'm actually sitting here editing a video clip to go up online and uh, editing a radio show to go up online, both <laughs> at the same time on two different you're, computers. You're multi- and talking to you. You're and multitasking. Talking to you. so, I mean, three things. Yep, three things at one time. Well, evidently, we are not uh, intellectually challenging enough for you. You're, you're, you're taking us with one <laughs> lobe tied behind your back. Yeah. He's got some chemistry <laughs> well, equations he's working yeah. through, too. You must have got... You must have gotten the word out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably stop dragging and pasting in a minute here. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll get, when you get going. <laughs> we understand multitasking. In fact, I'm actually clipping uh-huh. my toenails now during the interview anyway, so we, we multitask too. <laughs> That's great. Who can play That's that good. game? Uh, That's right. <laughs> now, we're going to slip in some subliminal phrases and things just to see how well you're on your toes here. So, All right. Uh, to begin our show today, could you share with our audience just a quick capsule summary about your background and the scope of your ministry? Well, we are a uh, we're based outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we do about uh, anywhere from 35 to 50 conferences a year. Um, we used to charge a ticket. Now uh, we only have one or two events where we charge tickets. The rest of them are all free, and they're one night. And uh, it's usually myself and one or two other speakers, and they range from, well, speakers like uh, Usama Dakdok, Erwin Lutzer, you know, uh, I could list others, but those right there would be two good examples. And we speak on a variety of issues. Uh, I mean, people are shocked at how wide our, our topic list is. If it's happening in the world, we're generally trying to talk about it through the lens of a, of a biblical worldview. Uh, Usama Dekdot's been traveling with me a lot. He's making national news right now, if you guys uh, have seen that, because he was, uh, CARE, uh, did not want him speaking, uh, to the Ohio Mansfield Tea Party, uh, and using a public school auditorium, because Usama Dekdok uh, was born and raised in Egypt and exposes Islam. And, mm-hmm. uh, so he's making national news today because CARE's been going after him and, and got him cancel from speaking, but he's been speaking with me all over the country and exposing mm. the dangers of Islam and Sharia law and how Christians can't be merging their worldview with Islam, as many Christians mm-hmm. are doing. Even Richard Land, I mean, you guys are in Nashville, I'm sure you know who Richard Land is of the Southern Baptist Convention. His name comes up time and again on our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Richard is a, is a real thorn in our flesh, but uh, uh, he, he is, uh, sits on the U.S. Muslim Engagement Commission mm-hmm. uh, and has endorsed the report to bring Muslims and Christians together. And common, you know, in common uh, mm-hmm. for the common good, build bridges together, 
And so, uh, you know, that's a perfect example of the kind of stuff that you saw in Dak Doc's warning that we cannot be doing. Um, so th- these are the kind of things we do all over the country, trying to warn the church really about uh, the dangers inside the church. In fact, that's the name of a new book I'm working on called Religious Trojan Horse. Mm-hmm. And I'm war- it's the follow-up to my book that came out about a year and a half ago called uh, Grave Influence. Mm-hmm. And Religious Trojan Horse is the follow-up to that to say, look, we we really, the church is really becoming its own worst enemy, and we're being infiltrated from within, and that really fits with the Saul Alinsky, Antonio Gramsci, the Italian communist model of uh, the long march through the institutions. And if you want to transform the society and the culture, you've got to penetrate them, and that means penetrating every institution, including the church. Mm-hmm. And some of these guys, like Richard Land, I, I, don't, I cannot figure out whether he is complicit or if he's just uh, deceived. But he belongs to the Council on Foreign Relations as well, which is a right. globalist organization that is absolutely horrible. And along with Rick he Warren, a, yeah, he's on the with Rick Warren. Along, along with Rick Warren, yeah. and and of course, then you've got people like Newt Gingrich and others that belong, and other globalists. So, uh, and of course, the Council on Foreign Relations started in part by the Rockefellers in 1921, uh, which that group went on to start the United Nations in 1945. Uh, Richard was invited to join. He said he joined to be salt and light. And of course, I don't know why he doesn't go ahead and just join Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, why he's at it, so he can be salt and light with them. But, I mean, there's nowhere in the scriptures that say we are to compromise scripture in order to be salt and light. And to join Council on Foreign Relations, you have to compromise Second Corinthians 6.14, which says not to be unequally yoked with the unbeliever. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness or light with darkness? You have to violate Second John 9-11, which says if someone comes to you bringing something other than the doctrine of Christ, don't greet them or don't invite them into your home lest you partake in their evil deeds. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, Richard shouldn't belong, uh, but he does. And uh, uh, isn't, you know, that, he, isn't that organization just part of the whole Revelation outteen outfit of the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth that conspire together and do their sorcery to deceive the nations of the earth? I, I think it absolutely is. And I think that the uh, Council on Foreign Relations, which was started in part by some of the Fabian socialists, um, is is their own goal by their own president in 2006 is to end national sovereignty and go toward world government. And um, I, I think these same groups are behind the creation of different unions. The, I think we've got a European Union now, or they're working on a South American Union, an African Union, a Middle Eastern Union. The European Union commissions divide the world up into ten regions, and I think those, quite frankly, in my opinion, I can't be dogmatic about it, but I think those are the ten horns, which are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour give their authority and power to the beast. And isn't it interesting that there sits among them Christians, uh, giving them credibility and being what I call useful idiots. And that's well, a phrase that was used in Stalin's day. If they would be prophets, and if they would preach, thus saith the Lord to them, that would be okay. If they had an Elijah kind of message rather than just trying to fit in. But I have to confess to you up front, although this is not our topic uh, this week, uh, Brother House, uh, as far as the whole Muslim issue, uh, we tell people that it'd probably be a good uh, use of their time to actually share the gospel with people of the Muslim faith and share them the good news about Jesus Christ. So I, I'm assuming that's an okay ministry for us to do with the Muslim people. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's the other thing that uh, Usama speaks for us on. He speaks on two things. Uh, to understand what Islam really is, the dangers of Sharia law, that really the uh, Allah, uh, the description of Allah in the Quran is really the same description as Satan in the Bible, it is a demonic religion, and we cannot merge our biblical Christianity with Islam. We cannot say, as a church here in the Memphis area does, a uh, heart song church, has a sign out front, uh, welcome, to the Islamic, uh, welcome to the Memphis Islamic Center. Uh, you know, this is a uh, seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly church welcoming the Islamic Center of Memphis to the neighborhood that's been built across the street. 
They offered them uh, their parking lot. They offered them their building to use while their building was being built. They offered them their water to mix cement. And really what Usama says is, you know, what they're doing here is they're loving the Muslims straight to hell by saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with your religion. Welcome to the neighborhood. And now we've got other churches that bring in and have a common word reading, a reading of the word uh, word of God, the Bible, with the Quran. The First Baptist Church of Memphis, which is a liberal Baptist church here in town, did the same thing in September of this last year. This is going on all over the country, and that's what Usama's warning about. But he also does teach us how to evangelize the Muslim, how to share the gospel mm-hmm. with the Muslim, how to know how to refute what the Muslim is saying. Mm-hmm. But you've got to know a little bit about what their worldview is in order to be able to point out the lies and the myths and the evilness of their religion. Mm-hmm. So Usama does that, but that's, that's just one of many speakers that speak for us all over the country yeah. and, and that we have on our radio show. Okay. Well, I know your reach is certainly prevalent because many of our listeners have said for some time they'd like to have you on our show, and a lot of the topics that you have had a concern have intersected with those of ours, too. And and the issue this week was actually germinated by uh, the fact that I saw mention of WorldNet Daily about your recent video on the Glenn Beck uh, situation, uh, yeah. and at the same time talking with uh, Mr. Pinto, who actually attends the church that we go to, uh, I'd mention him because I know he's been pretty prevalent on your show recently, and that's how the connection got through to get get to you. And I sure appreciate you making time for us. Uh, regarding this topic today about the Glenn Beck phenomenon, <clears throat> why do you think in general, and I, and I want you just to give us a very, very general um, overview because, as you know, we have a lot of questions to ask you. So uh, don't feel f- you know that you have to lay everything out in every question. A uh, couple-minute answers so what are you're fine saying for is, this. What you're saying is, what you're saying is keep my answers brief. <laughs> <laughs> well, except I can't make the question brief. That's the problem. Uh, if, I could, if I could practice what I preach. You know, there's a lot of shows like uh, on Radio Liberty and things like that where, where the, the, the guest just sort of takes off and they're expected to run with it. And we try to have a little structured discussion here. But what, what I want to ask you in general is um, why is this Glenn Beck phenomenon so seductive to evangelical Christians in general? What is the, the broad a- appeal there? Well, because like we all see through history, Christians always want, seem to want a king. Israel wanted a king, and the Jewish nation of Israel wanted a king. We want a king, or if we don't want a king, we at least want some kind of leader, someone that will that that will do our bidding for us. And we want uh, Americans want liberty, and they want freedom, and they want their rights. And and there's nothing wrong with liberty and freedom. But the problem is in America, we have put liberty and freedom above the gospel, and we've lifted the flag above the cross, and that's exactly what went on in uh, in Nazi Germany. And um, uh, Nazi Germany was big on nationalism, and, and they, uh, you know, were helped Hitler accomplish his goals. The German Christians uh, dissolved their denominations and, and united under the right bishop, handpicked by Adolf Hitler. Uh, they, they swore their kids into the service of Hitler inside their churches. They had the ceremonies there. They baptized their children in front of Nazi flag. Uh, and the church went along with this nationalism that was being promoted. And I think the church in America is committed to what I call Americanism, or an ecumenical patriotism. And if we have to have ecumenical patriotism to save our liberty and freedom at the expense of the gospel, most Christians are willing to do that. And so... If some guy comes along preaching another Jesus and another gospel, but he promises that if you will set aside your theology and our differences, I promise to help return your liberty and freedom, then most Christians are willing to set aside their their their, their theology and doctrine and join him, even though he hasn't set aside his. And that's exactly what Glenn Beck said. I met with some of the biggest leaders in America, asked us them if we could set aside our differences and save the country. 
The only problem is these pastors set aside their differences, and these Christians did, but Beck didn't. Beck continued to preach his New Age Mormonism, but most Christians are lacking such discernment, they didn't realize that. Well, you know, as far as the Americanism or, or civil religion, basically, the way we've described it here is that really anything that we set up above further critique has become an idol, and it is a place where only God belongs. When we set it up, for, you know, away from any other further analysis or critique, and I think that's where people have set up America, and sometimes mm-hmm. other things in our life, whether it's our denomination or certain kind of uh, things that are that are dear to us. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, but if you're American, it's it's a little more level. It's a little more level. <laughs> a little, little yeah. more level. Yeah. And so what's what's sad is is that Satan can take what are good things, yeah. and take good things and distort them where they can be harmful to us, and. And, and the American dream is not is only one of them. There's many things in our life. It can be relationships with people. It can be a host of things. Uh, can, can you explain why Beck chose Mormonism as his religious affiliation? You know, I have seen and I've watched his testimony uh, myself where he said that he checked out all the different religions with his family and de- denominations. And he said the Mormons were the kindest to his daughters when he met with them. So I guess that's with his decision of what truth was. Um in this interview, if you don't mind, I'd like to do something I don't normally do because there's some information I want you to comment on as well. And so I'm going to read a few citations if you don't mind and if time permits us. Uh, mm-hmm. An example of that, one of, one of those is from T.A. McMahon from the Brian Call. I'm sure you're familiar with him and Dave, Dave Hunt. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he had an excerpt about Beck's testimony as well. He says that Beck said, he says, I read everything there was to read. And, and by the way, this is from his book we're going to talk about, Seven Wonders That Will Change Your Life. Uh, he says, I read everything that there was to read on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or LDS, websites, and every word of Mormon doctrine. I treated Mormonism as if it were a hostile witness. For a while, I went to the anti-Mormon literature for hints, but I found most of it to be unfair or just plain wrong. I tried every trick I could find to find a contradiction. The problem was I couldn't. Mormonism seemed to explain the world and my place in it better than any other faith I'd looked at. It answered many spiritual questions that had gone unanswered for me my entire life. You know, that, that testimony certainly doesn't sound like he flippantly grabbed this out of, out of ignorance. And I was wondering if there's anything else you can add to his embrace of this faith that you're aware of. Yeah, and I don't say this to boast, but I wrote the first national column on Glenn Beck's book, Seven Wonders That Will Change Your Life. Oh. Uh, the book came out. I, I had the column out a week after, within a week of, of Beck's book coming out. Uh, week just in days, I had the first national column, and I blasted it out there to 200,000 people on our email alert list. And uh, so I, I actually, if you go to BrandonHouse.com, B-R-A-N-N-O-N, House, H-O-W-S-E, Brandon like Shannon, and then House with a W, so B-R-A-N-N-O-N, House, H-O-W-S-E, they will find my column where I give a ton of page numbers, direct verbatim quotes from Glenn's book and the page numbers, and then I also give scripture to contradict what Glenn is saying. Uh, and so Beck says he joined the Mormon faith, he read all these uh, anti-Mormon websites, met with his uh, bishop, knows the Mormon doctrines, and I pointed this out because so many Christians emailed me saying, well, Brandon Glenn doesn't really know what Mormons believe, his wife dragged him. I don't know why they think his wife dragged him to the Mormon church, but that that's not true. It was his friend of many, many years who was also his co-host in different radio markets around the country, Pat, who uh, was a Mormon and had been witnessing, quote, witnessing or evangelizing him into Mormonism for years and years. And so finally he agreed to go. And if you listen to Glenn's full testimony, it was the day after he was baptized into the Mormon church 
that his he got his radio career t- t- took off with national syndication. So it seems that he really credits his baptism into the Mormon Church with his career launching, because he makes a big deal on a video you can see online of being baptized one day and the next day getting the phone call from his agent that he'd been syndicated. And he says in another video that 70% of his life revolves around the Mormon temple. So he's he's very much a committed Mormon. Now he says in the book, that's what works for me, find out what works for you. He goes on and uses the phrase, your truth, my truth, 23 times. He says, God has been within you since before you were born. He says, he uses the words spiritual energies or energies 10 times. Uh, he talks about there being a pole star inside you. He quotes a guy promoting reincarnation. He he quotes right. another guy promoting transcendental meditation. He, he I mean, this, this, he quotes the Gnostic Gospels, Buddha. He well, quotes the Bible out of context. I mean, it's crazy. We're going to get into all that, each of those, because he's definitely Mormonism plus. Uh, you get more for oh, your yeah. money than just a <laughs> Mormon talking. It's like a two-for-one deal. You get a little bit of everything. But one of the interesting things is is that he is really big into these I am phrases. Yeah. And I understand this has a little significance in Mormonism as well, too. Are, are you familiar with that and well, why that might yeah. be common? Well, first of all, all the New Age stuff, that, and he's into New Age, and I've been calling him a New Age Mormon since last August when yeah. I first uh, – started coming out against him. And by the way, before that, I actually had a website called keepglenbeck.com, which is still online. We left it online so people could see that I'm telling you the truth. And it's called keepglenbeck.com, and I said, hey, look, look, let's defend Glenn Beck from all these people trying to get his sponsors taken from him, and uh, uh, we need a guy like that on the air that's telling us what's going on. And we were actually sending a lot of emails to his um, staff emails saying, here, you need to know about the Cloward Piven strategy. I mean, we were talking about the Cloward Piven strategy months ahead of Glenn Beck and you know, Rush Limbaugh and these guys. So you were, at, we were that actually, time, at that time you were supportive of him? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, supportive of him okay. and even sending him leads, sending his staff yeah. leads by okay. email. Okay. And saying, hey, did you, you guys should cover this and you should cover that. It was in August of last year when he turned and started going into this. Uh, well, actually what tipped me off was last August when he came to the show on his TV show um, uh, on the, the Bat Creek Stone that was found in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and it had Egyptian uh, uh, right. Jewish writing. Jewish writing uh, in this stone was found in a um, uh, an Indian burial mound. The reason that's important is because uh, mm-hmm. Mormons believe that the Native Americans are a lost tribe of Israel. But nowhere on that TV show did he say why this was important to him. He didn't say, you know, as a Mormon who believes that the Native Americans in America are a lost tribe of Israel, and Jesus, after the resurrection, appeared over here to in the Western Hemisphere to these uh, this lost tribe. This, as you know, as a Mormon, this is important to me. He never told his audience that. He never told his audience that that was actually a... Um, many people believe that the Bat Creek Stone is a fraud. He never said that either. In fact, he said it's been hidden away, and they don't they don't want you to know the real history. Well, as I understand, it's not hidden away. It's actually, I think, at the University of Knoxville. You can go see this this uh, this this Bat Creek Stone. So that told me right away, wait a minute, now he's slipping his Mormonism in here. But people who are friends of ours and have come through our training institute here in Memphis, one of them is Tracy, who was Mormon for 26 years. She said the reason that I am and all these other New Age things are a appealing to Glenn, the same reason they were appealing to her and her New Age, friend, her Mormon friends when she was a Mormon, was because they believe in the the the, uh, the, the power of the priesthood. And so they're all going to become gods and, right. or goddesses. Exactly. And so the whole I am or I am God, you know, fits really well for them because they're, they're going to become God anyway. Mm-hmm. So That's they exactly think. right. But if they on live a, a good on another life. planet. 
You get another planet. Yeah. You get to be your own I am. Yeah, you get to. Well, yeah, and the god of this universe uh, is is living on a planet near the star of Kalab, and he has eternal sex with his goddess wives and sends spirit babies to this planet. And there are millions of Mormon gods who are polygamist, and they're sending spirit babies to their different planets. Mm -hmm. So planet Earth is simply the planet that the god of this world is filling with spirit babies, which is what you and I all are, spirit babies, according to Mormonism. In fact, the founding fathers, said Ezra Taft Benson in 1976, I believe it was this year he gave a speech, Ezra Taft Benson, the head of the Mormon Church at the time, said that the American founding fathers were special spirit babies, they were sent here specifically to write the Constitution, and he said that the Constitution is equivalent to the Word of God to him, and that the America was founded to be an outpost for the Mormon Church. So these guys think the Founding Fathers were special spirit babies. The Constitution is, is for Ezra Taft Benton, at least, equal to the Word of God, and this has all been set up to, to, to spread Mormonism around the globe. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but... but um, uh, the New Jerusalem, they say, will be in Independence, Missouri, right. and that's where Jesus will return to and set up the New Jerusalem. Which, which uh, you know, nothing against the people living in Independence, Missouri, but good grief, we can do better than that. And you're even closer than that to that wonderful land where you are in Memphis. I know. So probably. Well, the, so I could actually walk there. I could, have, you know, if there's a yeah. big breakdown in society, then we can all walk to Independence, Missouri, and that yeah. is quite frankly why Mormons keep a year's supply of food on hand because yeah. this big crisis is going to come, and they need to be ready to go at a moment's notice and even walk to the New Jerusalem. Well, speaking of big crisis, I want to talk about that next, but uh, if, if that New Madrid fault goes, I don't know if you'll survive that to get to it. But yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Once, maybe once, once the Mississippi goes back upstream again like <laughs> yeah. it did the last time, maybe you can walk across yeah, the water. A year of food, two years of food, that's gonna, not going to matter. You, yeah. you and the rest of the weekenders, world weekenders. Um, speaking of, of crises... Uh, we'll be behind you a little you know bit. What? So no, leave some hey, scraps for us this? from Nashville. No problem. Hey, let me finish on the I am thing real quick, by sure. the way, because you know Jesus spoke about Glenn back in Luke 21, verse 8? He did. He did? Yeah. yeah right. the, 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 the disciples asked uh, the, Jesus, give us a sign. Now, what will be a sign of your return? And in Luke chapter 21, verse 8, Jesus said, when men say, I am, that's when I'll be coming back soon. You'll know it's my soon return when men say, I am. Now, if you look in your translation, it says, when men say, I am he, or I am Christ. Notice here, Christ is in italics. So huh. the reason why is because that's not in the original transcript. So what Jesus said is, you'll notice my soon return when men say, I am. Well, I am is a title for God in Exodus chapter 3. It's a title for God in, in John 8. It's not to be used as some secret mantra uh, or law of attraction, but that's exactly how Glenn uses it. He said, quote, and this is, this is a quote, I'm going to give you right off the top of my head because I've given it all over the country. I know it, I've memorized a lot of these goofy quotes by Glenn. He said, quote, I am is a title for God. Never use it in vain. Use it to create what you want to become. I am blank, end quote. We've played this audio clip on our radio show, and then he goes on to say this again in his book. So he's been saying this for a long time. Notice his four E's for the year 2000, right. you know, enlightenment and education, empowerment, and entrepreneurship. Under one of them, under one of the E's, it's I, he has a little bullet point under each of these E's, is I am that I am. So uh, this is totally uh, fits with New Age Mormonism, according to my friends who are former Mormons, who are now believers in the Jesus of the Bible, that, that New Age fits real well with the, 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 uh, the right. uh, priesthood of believers, the Godhead, they'll be God. So this is what Glenn is saying is exactly what Jesus predicted in Luke 21, verse 8.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the whole I am is a new age thing. If you if you have become God, uh, and to me that's the, the great challenge in sharing the gospel with people in the new age is that they've already declared themselves God. So it's a little hard to see that you have a fallen sin nature uh, at that point once you've re- you know achieved deification. Um, yes. Do you know what will shock you guys though? And I'm going to be releasing this next week, so you guys are getting a scoop because I All haven't right. even mentioned this on I haven't even mentioned this on my own radio show. So you're uh, you're going to get a scoop out of my own. I mean, you're scooping my own. I'm scooping my own show here on your show. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm re- we're ready. <laughs> Hit us. Well, do, do you know we're gonna, that we're going to act- charge thirty bucks a piece yeah, for this show? Yeah, thirty dollars download, first ever. <laughs> we got a scope. We figured out how to raise some money here. Okay. <laughs> Did you know that there actually are Christians that are buying into this whole uh, law of attraction? thing. Uh, yeah, it's right. called The Secret. Oprah has promoted it. The Secret. Yeah. It's a book oh, yeah. and it's a DVD. Well, yeah. there are now Christians that are promoting this. It's a DVD that's out there called The Source of the Secret. Okay? It's a, quote, Christian DVD, quote, oh. of all these, quote, Christians that are telling you how to use this idea of the, and they call it the law of attraction, just like right. Oprah does. Right. And they're te- teaching you how Christians can take what Oprah's doing that's not biblical, but Christians can take the law of attraction and use it biblically and make things come to be in your life through the power of your mind. And guess who's pushing it? The word of faith, the name it and claim it crowd. I just saw yesterday, I just saw that phrase used yesterday on this, I think, now I hope I'm not saying this wrong, on the CBN website, when they had a story about the 12th Imam coming back, you know, it was on the top of Drudge, big news, uh, and they had a little picture of the... Uh, Robertson Jr. there, and they had something about the law of attraction on there. Now, I could be wrong, but I believe I saw it there on CBN. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. I would yeah. not doubt it one bit. And, and, and of course, on this DVD, you have some of the biggest word of faith, name and claim it, prosperity, gospel people you've, you know, on the face of the earth appearing on this DVD and pushing this. So what I'm saying is that, and you'll be shocked. People will be shocked at some of the people that appear on this DVD. I mean, you'll be shocked at some of the people that appear on this. Uh, people who are going and speaking at uh, Bible churches, Baptist yeah. churches, you know, and, and here they thought they were bringing in a guy that was consistent with, with their church theology and doctrine, find out that the guy's really more into dominion theology and into uh, name it and claim it and the, and the law of attraction. It's crazy what's happening. And this is that ecumenical patriotism where we're going to, you know, have this hodgepodge of world religions coming together, which fits with Dominion theology and see Peter Wagner and, and the false right. people like Rick Joyner and Cindy Jacobs. Look, whatever it takes to establish the kingdom of God on earth and kingdom values, they'll do it. They'll set theology aside to get her done uh, because they all, wanna, they all want uh, to elect enough Christians to office in America around the world because until we do that, right. you know what? Christ can't come back. I mean, that well, is just baloney. You're it's just not in the scripture. In fact, Jesus said... My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not from here. So we build the God. We build God's kingdom in the spiritual realm, not in the natural realm. But that's what they're all doing. You're just a defeatist. You're you're going to have to be taken out of the way with that kind of talking. Yeah. You're never going to. You're. I was going to say you're never going to speak in those stadiums like some of those speakers I see on TV. But then again, I guess you do speak in those stadiums. So. I well, no, I don't. You won't have that same kind of crowd that'll come to you. You know, the only thing I know about Secret is that it's strong enough for man, but made for a woman. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever brought that up at your uh, meetings, but uh, I don't know. None, none of this surprises me. You know, this is consistent with what we found in our show and and what we've been showing all along, and it, it is a season of itching ears. 
And there's well, always been a phase where people have itching ears, but never more than now. And everything is regarding self-help, uh, not how can I get myself right with God so then I can get to work for the kingdom and a spiritual warfare. It's everything is about me and making me feel well, good and happy. You've already done a deodorant commercial, so I was just waiting for you to do a <laughs> calamine commercial. I thought maybe for those itching ears, they could buy some calamine or something. Yeah. No, no, Secret is one of the sponsors on our show, so we have to find an excuse to work that yeah, yeah. 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 out. Hey, I got another, I was waiting for calamine. Another strange uh, uh, thing that we had uncovered some time ago on our show that we, you know, we, we don't track back nonstop, but I'll, I'll have him on the TV in the afternoon just to find out new tidbits. Uh, what's going on with our show. Do you have any evidence uh, of uh, some additional Mormon teaching like this creeping into his public statements? Uh, for example, um, we had found in our research his citation of the Mormon white horse prophecy, uh, <laughs> which was, I saw a, a, an explanation of this on AOL News back on October 5th, and the article was, is Glenn Beck attempting to fulfill the Mormon white horse prophecy? And if you don't mind, I just want to share this with people about it so they know what it is and then you can comment on it. It says, okay, is what it, if I do mine? Well, then I well. guess this is all over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't have that on our flow chart here of answers. I don't know. I'm a little shocked. On that. You, you went off the script we had first, beforehand. Really, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> well, if you could amuse us for just a second here. Sure, glad uh, to. The article says, Is a prophecy known to a few outside the Mormon faith motivating Glenn Beck's crusade against President Barack Obama's administration? That's report, Washington reported Dana Milbank's conclusion. In an article published Tuesday at the Huffington Post, Milbank de details the history of Joseph Smith's so-called White Horse prophecy. Uh, though two of Smith's followers are said to have heard him deliver the prophecy in 1843, it was not actually written down until the 1850s when the men were elderly and Smith had passed away. In 1855, Smith's successor, Brigham Young, distilled the prophecy into the following line. When the Constitution of the United States hangs, as it were, upon a single thread, they, the American citizens, will have to call for the Mormon elders to save it from utter destruction, and they will step forth and do it. As Milbank notes, within days after Obama was elected president, Beck began frequently invoking the same language when assessing the state of the country. We are in at the, we are at the place where the Constitution hangs in the balance, Beck told Bill O'Reilly on November 14, 2008, just after the election. I feel the Constitution is hanging in the balance right now, hanging by a thread, unless the good Americans wake up. Hard to argue that's entirely coincidental. But as the Salt Lake Tribune reported, Beck is hardly the first Mormon public figure to invoke phrasing of the prophecy. Orrin Hatch, a repeat guest on Beck's program, is also fond of characterizing the U.S. Constitution as literally hanging by a single thread. Church members are no stranger to the prophecy. For decades, it's been repeated by Mormon leaders, even though the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints' official line is that it cannot be verified that Joseph Smith ever issued it. But for the Mormon religion, the Constitution is revered as a product of divine inspiration, tantamount to a religious document, as you, as you stated before, Brother Brandon, uh, where they say it's a glorious standard, standard. It was founded on the wisdom of God. Uh, it's a heavenly uh, banner, and they go on and on. Uh, it says Beck's own reference for the Constitution may stem in part from his Mormon faith. It is likely that Beck owes his brand of founding father worship to Mormonism, Brooks wrote, where reverence for the founders of the United States Constitution as divinely inspired are often declared elements of orthodox belief. So, with that in mind, uh, what what is your thought on that and any other similar Mormon references that you have found creeping into? You mentioned a few of them with the I am. Anything else like that come to mind? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I just went out to grab a hamburger. Are we back? Yeah. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> we went through four questions. I answered them for you while you were gone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, normally I don't joke around so much, but you guys seem like you're a pretty light cr- crew over there. You, so you can let your hair down. We have some of the most intensely uh, grave subjects that we cover every week. and It's, it's, it's sort, sort of a defense mechanism, really. Keeps us yeah, sane. I mean, really it it's is. a coping mechanism. We're getting ready, for, uh, we're getting ready for the FEMA camps. You know, We have to keep it light <laughs> for that. So I think there's one uh, down in you. Memphis, so we're down there. We might yeah. be bunk mates. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um yeah, we've talked about that extensively on our program, the Joseph Smith White Horse Prophecy. Oh, have you? And I, and oh yes, and I, and I say to people, I think Glenn Beck thinks he's uh, fulfilling, you know, uh, this Mormon prophecy that he's gonna, you know, the, the, the prophecy goes on to say that the Mormon, the, the the country will lean on the staff of the Mormon Church to save them, and so I think that's what, exactly what they're doing. I think this is exactly what they see, and um, you, you you guys have nailed it, and and the thing is, how many Christians that that have run over to a show are even familiar? Number one, with what Mormons believe. Number two, right. even know about the, the Joseph Smith White Horse prophecy. It's amazing to me that you know the number of Christians that that email me say, "Well, Glenn Beck is a Christian. Glenn Beck's a Christian. I've I've heard him give the gospel as clear as anything I've ever seen on TV on his chalkboard." But you know what Glenn Beck did was he was trying to contrast. Uh, Obama's collective salvation to what evangelical Christians believe. And he does, he did explain the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and how mm-hmm. Christians believe that their salvation through, you know, Jesus alone and that you have to repent of your sins and believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. But if you listen, he said twice, he had to call Richard Lamb of the Southern Baptist to make sure he had it right. Yeah. At the end of the program, he said, I want to thank again Richard Land. He wasn't saying this is what he believes, but even if he said that's what he believes, it isn't, because he is a Mormon. So the Jesus he is speaking of is not the same Jesus of the Bible. Mm-hmm. In fact, you won't find a cross in or on a Mormon temple. The cross is foolishness to them. You find the angel Moroni on top of the Mormon temple. Now, was he, uh, trem- was he that angel's name? Well, Moron- <laughs> was he trembling when he said this? Because the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble as well, too, don't they? Yes, they do. So believing is not enough. It's faith and repentance. Faith and repentance over and over. Second Corinthians seven nine through ten. Godly sorrow produces. Second uh, uh, Corinthians Second uh, Corinthians seven nine through ten says for it's godly sorrow that produces repentance unto salvation. So it's faith and repentance. It's not just enough to believe because you're right. Even the demons believe. But the Mormons don't use uh, red wine or red juice for communion. Blood is foolishness to them. Uh, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross isn't what saves them. Uh, Mormons believe that it's the blood that he sweat in Gethsemane that allows them the way to save themselves. Um, you know, it, it's amazing because I oftentimes know more Mormons believe than Mormons. Right. Uh, I, I, Mormon will call to my show and they begin to tell me, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't know why you can't understand. We're both Christians. And, and I begin to ask them about Mormon doctrines. And one guy called in a few months ago who was in the, one of the armed forces and he, he called in to say that, you know, he thought I was distorting Mormonism. And so I began to share these things with him and he couldn't answer my questions. And I said, how long have you been a Mormon? And he said, oh, two or three years. I said, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, until you've been a Mormon a few years and you get into understanding all the Mormon doctrines, it's very common for people who have only been Mormons two or three years. They don't know squat. We know, mm-hmm. you know, if you study Mormonism, you know more than they do. But most of these Christians that are running to be with him uh, on TV don't know Mormonism. One pastor from down in Palm Beach Garden, Florida, who you've seen on his TV show many times and who appeared on his uh, platform with him to lock arms with all these 
uh, Black Brigade Regiment members of all faiths, including imams. I called him up before the 828 rally and said, I don't think you want to do this. Uh, do you really know what Glenn Beck believes? Oh, well, I was in a private meeting with um, this guy and this guy, and they were all household names, with Glenn Beck, and Glenn Beck told us about how he'd accepted Jesus and was baptized. And I said, yeah, but did he tell you he was baptized in the Mormon church? And there was silence on the other end of the phone. And then the pastor finally said, no, he didn't. And I said, well, that's what he was. He was baptized in the Mormon church. He missed that on his own, you know, on video on, that you can yeah. find online. So th- th- these guys don't, th- all they hear is Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I got baptized. They don't even realize that for a Mormon, Jesus is the half, is the brother of Lucifer. So it's amazing. The, 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 you have people like James Robinson who ran to his show, uh, on February 25th of this year and, says, you know, what we as Christians need to do is hone the edge and storm the gates of hell together. And, and Glenn, I hear what I hear that's what you're saying, and I hear you're saying, where are the people that love God? And I want to ask James Robinson, what, what God is he talking about? The one of flesh and bone that evolved to become a, a God on a planet near the star of Kalab that has eternal sex with his goddess wife and sends spirit babies to earth? Or the God of the Bible? Well, well Robinson probably doesn't have a clue what Mormons believe. And the Bible says clearly that it says if any angel preaches to you any other gospel, let them be anathema. Exactly. So I think that's pretty profound. And you know what? It's almost as scary for our religious leaders, particularly our leaders, who are supposed to be guiding American Christians, to say it doesn't matter. To say, well, he has his differences, we have ours, it doesn't matter. It's one thing for the civil duties that we have. We all have civil duties. You know, if... Uh, if somebody's house was on fire in the neighborhood, you wouldn't do a religious quiz of everybody there in the crowd in the bucket brigade. You'd put the fire out. Yeah, but when you come right. to lead a church or you come to do something in God's name, that's a whole different matter. Uh, yeah. and we, we've got to be much more careful. On a, on a related issue, something that's important, Glenn Beck, I wanted to ask you what you think are the influences of Beck's prior struggles with drugs and alcohol and his subsequent experiences in AA and 12-step programs. Um, for example, in his article uh, called Being Glenn Beck in the New York Times, uh, I had noticed in there that they cited that he had been steeped in 12-step programs. And actually, he and his wife ran a Mormon-affiliated addiction treatment center. Um, and that he compared, this is what I found very interesting, his restoring honor pageant at the Lincoln Memorial to a large-scale AA meeting. And I know he has referred to these kind of steps that he's used for these people to recite that are common with 12 steps. Uh, and, and even some of the quotes in this article talk about his speaking events, that they say he is a modern-day prophet doing God's work. Uh, and even, I think, the day before that, he hosted something called Divine Destiny at the Kennedy Center. Uh, and he used the priests, pastors, and rabbis and things. And this one, one of the women they cite there said that he was working magic and miracles that go on at these events. And we, we have documented on a show that was very controversial about the founder of AA that, that his, his, quote, experience with God was using some drugs of witchcraft. They were actually used, uh, and that he said that was his encounter with God. And he continued in occultism his entire life. And he says that his 12-step programs were dictated by a spirit of a 15th century monk. So, you know, we have some hard questions about that whole approach. What are your thoughts as to the influence of his prior addictions and this whole AA indoctrination and his approach and spiritual convictions? Well, that's, that's a very good question. We have a series of articles on worldbeweekend.com on our website. People use our search engine on AA. We have a series of articles one of our columnists wrote explaining a lot of what you just said. Um, well, he, he is uh, admitted in his book, uh, The Seven Wonders Will Change Your Life, that he also read Alice Bailey, 
And Alice Bailey was an nice. occultist who wrote the book A Course in Miracles that she uh, she channeled a demon that she called the Tibetan and wrote over 10,000 pages, to, you know, 24 books totaling 10,000 pages. So he he's fooled around with the occult there, uh, by his own admission, at least read the book. And, you, of course, he's talked about the Gnostic Gospels, which is fooling mm-hmm. around the same arena. So uh, clearly he has some, you know, obviously he's fooling around the occult if you're going out there saying, I am that I am, and title for God, never use it in vain, use it to create what you want to become, I am blank. So Glenn is a total New Age occultic uh, Mormon. And But what is Mormonism in the end? Mormonism in the end is the occult, I believe, because I believe that Satan appears as an angel of light, and I believe that's exactly who appeared to Joseph Smith in the form of an angel. I believe Angel Morana was actually Satan himself. So I'm not shocked that Glenn is fooling around in this area. It, it's very consistent with Mormonism. But I, I, I believe that, that the, the, the listeners need to know that a lot of what Glenn Beck does is not his idea. If you go look up uh, Faith, Hope, and Charity, type in Mormonism and Faith, Hope, and Charity, which was his big theme for last year, you'll find that Faith, Hope, and Charity, there are a lot of major Mormons that gave speeches with that theme, Faith, Hope, and Charity. So, so much of what he says, whether it's Constitution Hanging by a Thread, Faith, Hope, and Charity, his reverence for the, for the founders, the, uh, it all ties back to Mormonism, because again, they're special spirit babies, and they were mm-hmm. sent here to write the Constitution, which is equal to the Word of God, and they're making an outpost for the Church of Latter-day Saints. So, people, you know, again, even his pushing up the Bat Creek Stone last August, they don't realize that this is all tied to his Mormonism. And I also, you know, listeners don't seem to know that Glenn will say stuff to them. Uh, they, they all think Glenn would never lie to them. They, they all think Glenn would never mislead them. But in reality, I believe Glenn is one of the biggest um, uh, misleaders on television. That's my personal opinion. I'll give you a perfect example. He said on his radio show uh, last year that we, and we'll play this clip on our radio shows in his own voice. He said, we're the only faith that has a document, a government document, that made it okay to kill Mormons because they're Mormons. Period. Well, I thought, that's odd, really? He's got a government document that made it okay to kill Mormons because they were Mormons? Well, so I went and researched it. That's not true. Uh, what it was is in Missouri, back in the 1800s, some Mormons riding around, one of them riding around with a military uniform on, with, you know, commanding some, some other Mormons. They were riding around Missouri, and they got into a scuffle with some folks in Missouri, and they came back a few weeks later to this town in Missouri, and they robbed the town, and they burned down the town, the post office. And, uh, in the midst of all these skirmishes that were going on, a law enforcement official was killed. The governor of Missouri put out an executive order. Then he went back and he revised his executive order after this occurred, burning down the town and someone dying who was in law enforcement. And they, the governor put out the executive order. You can see the executive order online. Uh, he said that he was giving his troops the, 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 the right, under his order, to drive these Mormons out of the state of Missouri, and if they couldn't drive them out, to kill them. Because they were Mormon? No. He said because the Mormons had engaged in war against the state of Missouri and the people of Missouri. Now, Glenn never told his audience the whole story. Yeah. He never said, oh, well, the reason this document's here is because the Mormons ran into town and stole everything and burned it down. No, he said because it made it okay to kill a Mormon. This government document says so because they were Mormon. That's not truthful. And so people need to realize Glenn is not what he appears to be, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, you know what? When we talk about the the New Age, um, 
connections that he has and, and Mormon connections, and now we're talking about other kind of occult things. It, it seems like to me he is a thoroughly modern man. I mean, he's, he, he basically uh, is a cocktail of, of pick-and-choose belief systems between New Age, Mormonism, 12-step programs, and I think that's typical for the modern man today. They, they pick and choose their belief systems off the things that sounds good to them and sort of mix it up in some kind of unique brew. Well, I would agree. And this religious syncretism that you're talking about is one of my biggest concerns and what I'm writing about in this book, Religious Trojan Horse. The syncretism of religions that are coming together is, is absolutely amazing. And I believe what we're seeing here is the beginning, and maybe not the beginning, we're probably more more. Into, 30% into or more into really the coming of a one world religion and Glenn Beck is a perfect example of someone that will be representing this one world religion this syncretism of Mormonism New Age, Christianity he's mixing it all, Hinduism, he's mixing it all together you know with his uh, God has been within you since before you were born you know quoting a guy that promotes reincarna- reincarnation, promoting a uh, an Indian guy that's promoting uh, transcendental meditation in his book. Th- this is what the one world religion is going to be based on, largely, mm-hmm. I think, is social justice, social gospel, dominion theology, and uh, Eastern mysticism, pantheism, all is God, panentheism, God is in all. And people say, well, wait a minute, House, Beck doesn't promote social justice. Uh, yes, he does. And I wrote an article stating that, you know, Glenn is so busy trashing Jim Wallace, and I'm no fan of neo-Marxist Jim Wallace, of sojourners who Bill Heibel's wife at Willow Creek writes columns for, uh, but uh, Glenn, Glenn is critical of Jim Wallace's social justice. Well, I contend that Glenn Beck is into social justice because, after all, what is social justice? Social justice is the attempt to create heaven on earth. I don't care what you use to create it, whether you want to use Mormonism, communism, uh, cosmic humanism slash new age, I, I don't care what you use, in the end is an attempt to create heaven on earth. And what are the Mormons wanting? They believe they will end up with a united kingdom on earth. Uh, they will end up with the kingdom of God on earth. I mean, uh, it will be based out of Independence, Missouri, the New Jerusalem. And in this kingdom of God, they will have what's called the United Order. And the United Order is where the Mormon church will own everything, and, and everything will be redistributed on an as-needed basis overseen by the Mormon church. What is that? That is a dominion theology. That is a Christian the- or a, a religious theocracy. It is a dominion theology through and through with socialism. Now, how can he criticize Jim Wallace for wanting a atheist or Marxist dominion theology. Both of these guys are pushing for a kingdom of God on earth. They're just using different vehicles to get there. So, again, I wonder if the Christian pastors that run and lock arms with him uh, and these all the pastors of different denominations, including imams, Muslim imams, even know that in the end the Mormons want to own everything that they have and redistribute it as a, on a needed basis. But well, what you have, you have the new apostolic crowd, the Rick Joiners, the Cindy Jacobs, all these guys pushing for this, Glenn Beck's pushing for what he's pushing for, and guess what? They're all going to use each other while they try to accomplish their version of the kingdom of God on earth. Well, what does the Bible say? It says that these false teachers are deceivers being deceived. So they're applying this to each other. This this is the modus operandi, and I'm afraid to say that a lot of these evangelical leaders, from what we've documented, fall squarely in that camp. So while they're deceiving others with their own heresies, they're just as likely to fall privy to others, particularly when they get starstruck by a celebrity, 
and when they find it's a ticket to uh, to fame and power that they think uh, that they're going to get along with it. Either they, they latch on to political figures or they they latch on to celebrities like Beck uh, to do this. And, and speaking of that, uh, you have mentioned uh, some evangelical leaders you know uh, that have tried to tell you that, that Beck's okay and things like that. What are the kind of things they've told you to try to uh, convince you that it's okay to get on board with him? Well, there's a pastor out of California, a big church in California, and this pastor wrote a five-page memo and uh, and it was picked up by CNN. He was quoted in CNN. He was quoted in the Christian Post. Uh, and he said that he was told by a Christian leader uh, that 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 uh, in terms that we would all understand as evangelicals that Glenn Beck is saved. Now this pastor out of California, by the way, also uh, works with Newt Gingrich. For, with some of Newt Gingrich's uh, organizations, and I believe this pastor is clearly committed to Dominion theology. And here's this pastor saying, Glenn Beck is saved. And CNN picked up the article uh, and quotes me, to quote, they didn't call me, they just read my article and pulled a couple sentences out of it, which is fine, and they quote this pastor from California. So they're saying, here's House of Worldview Weekend saying he can't unite with Glenn Beck and his divine destiny and his Restore Honor rally because it's a violation of Second Corinthians 6.14. But here's this pastor from California, Jim Garland, Garlow, saying, no, Glenn Beck is saved. And um, I, I want to know why Jim Garlow hasn't come out and put out a statement mm-hmm. retracting that after Glenn Beck has put out his book, Seven Wonders Will Change yeah. Your Life, saying that God's been within all of us before we were born. He says there is no, quote, lake of fire. That's what he says. There's no lake of fire. Uh, so these guys are listening to Beck's terms, but unfortunately these guys are so unskilled in apologetics and worldview, they don't realize that Mormons use the exact same terms, New Agers use the exact same terms, they just have different definitions to those terms. And this mm-hmm. is this is the problem. And, and again, uh, your first clue would be when you have a pastor that's working with um, Newt Gingrich. I mean, yeah. Newt Gingrich is a globalist. He's on his third marriage. Newt Gingrich is a... Um, is a communitarian. Uh, communitarianism is when you try to mix capitalism with socialism, and but that's not what he calls it. He calls it the third way. But they um, might be a t- he might be a ticket to power. You know, they don't want to miss an opportunity to grab a ticket to power. They can compromise a little bit on some of their uh, beliefs. You know, we're not talking about John the Baptist characters who speak to Herod and risk his own life to say that the lifestyle he's living is wrong. We've got people. No, we got to lock our. Yeah. We gotta hook our wagon to either Newt Gingrich or Huckabee, because if they become president, then the Dominion theology crowd can have a have a place at the table to help usher in the kingdom of God, so we can all get the heck out of here. Because until uh, until uh, the kingdom of God has been implemented on Earth, Christ can't come back. So these guys are getting desperate. Well, you're really messing up your career here, Brother Brandon, because uh, you're speaking against <laughs> Huckabee too. I mean, he was anointed from on high. There's not many of us left out here. We're like the lepers outside the camp, you know, that well, didn't, that didn't you know, get on that bus, you know. I, 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 to me, I, I had a little hard time during the debates the last presidential election when, uh, you know, as a Baptist minister, he tells them, you know, uh, nobody's happy with the Iranians and the stuff they, they do. But he said he looked forward to uh, leading them to the gates of hell. And... <laughs> You know, there's a time when it comes you have to stand up for your country and do this and that. But as a Baptist minister, I, I wouldn't think you'd ever want to look forward to leading somebody to the gates of hell, uh, myself. It makes me wonder what kind of church he's leading. You know? Well, 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Huckabee, when he was governor of Arkansas, he continued the same liberal education programs that Bill Clinton had started. And, and, and that's why people like Phyllis Schlafly, who has been studying education and warning about these liberal education policies that both Republicans and Democrats endorsed, um, she, she, she wouldn't have anything to do with him when he was running for president because she knew what I knew, and that is that uh, Huckabee was continuing all this garbage during uh, his administration. And I understand that when uh, Adrian Rogers and Paige Patterson and all these guys were trying to reform the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Huckabee was nowhere to be found. I also think Huckabee is a big fan of uh, Rick Warren, and Rick Warren is a communitarian. And, um, again, your audience may not know what communitarians are, but a communitarian is someone who likes to mix socialism with capitalism. Um, it, they're, they're big on what's called, and your audience better get used to hearing this, they're big on what's called public-private partnerships. Right. Um, it's also referred to as the third way. Communitarianism is socialism light. It's, uh, it's communism light. Um, it's, it's, um, so you it's, can it's render to God way. and Caesar. You can render both of them the same coin. Well, they actually become equal partners. You, yeah. and, and Peter Drucker, Peter Drucker, who business we called a communitarian, was one of the people that promoted this idea. And um, uh, Rick Warren admits that he was mentored by Peter Drucker. So uh, it's totally what Rick Warren calls a three-legged stool, emerging mm -hmm. um, the, what he called the public, the private, and the parish together or the government, business, and the social sector churches. So it's, it's in fact, Rick, um, Newt Gingrich calls it the third way, and Newt Gingrich pushed a lot of the philosophies of one of these guys uh, who wrote some of the books on the third way when he was even, uh, you know, created his contract with America. And by the way, I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but Newt Gingrich has a brand-new book out called Contract with the Earth. It's a brand-new book, Contract with the Earth, and it's really... Uh, the uh, communitarian, uh, conservative way to deal with the environmental problem. Um, so in the end, Newt Gingrich is a environmentalist, Catholic, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, reportedly a 33rd degree Mason, uh, uh, communitarian. And yet here, here are all these uh, Christians uh, holding a... Uh, uh, rediscovering God in America online rally with him and piping it into America's churches this last week. Did you know he's, that? He's speaking at Liberty University, isn't he, coming up on the 9th? Maybe he'll get an honorary doctorate like Glenn Beck. Well, yeah, at, at you know, Liberty? that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, look, let me tell you something. Liberty University, uh, they held a conference last year called Awakening 2010, and there's, I got a picture of this in one of my presentations right. on is, religious choice. Awakening course. 2011 is going to be on the 9th coming up. Of the 9th of April? You're right. Well, Awakening 2010, I have a picture where Jim, uh, uh, Richard Land of the Southern Baptist, who's also a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, is moderating a panel uh, on something dealing with public policy. And guess who's on the panel with him? Prophetess or apostle Cindy Jacobs, yeah. you know, see Peter Wagner, the new apostolic reformation. Hey, you did, better be careful what you say about her because she might be assigned as your apostle over well, your she part might of the country. Put, she, she, yes, exactly. She, you're, you're, you he, might yeah, be you're accountable right. to her once the Dominionists finally get their official reign over not only our spiritual life but civil life as well, too. So you better know, be used to taking orders. Yeah. I'm hoping for Lou Engle. You know, Lou Engle, who's also speaking there, another prophet, actually anointed uh, Huckabee and Gingrich both. They had a formal well, anointing ceremony. 
I, I, you're exactly right. I knew that to be true. And you know who else appeared at that conference last year? Not only Cindy Jacobs, but but uh, Rick Joyner. Mm-hmm. And Rick Joyner, of course, he's written this 158-page book uh, on how he went to heaven and talked to Apostle Paul and, and had a conversation with the angel wisdom that appears as a talking angel. And and yet, you know this guy has the gall to say that those of us who stick too rigidly to our doctrine, that we're the problem and that we're in, and the whole world will see that we're, we are insane? I'm thinking, you want to call me insane? I'm not the one that's claiming to have talked to a talking angel. Give me a break. Well, you wouldn't understand because you're not a knight of Malta like he is. Well, and there you go, a Knight yeah, of Malta, the Catholic yeah, when Church. You, when you get to Knight of Malta, like you'll you will have the insider understanding. You know, regarding some of these great uh, l- Christian leaders around the country who we look to for guidance and wisdom, and large sums of money are paid by widows around the country from their fixed income to get their guidance from. Can I share with you some quotes from it? If you can take a little break there, Please. get you to get you a little drink there. Um, well, uh, I had the hamburger already while it goes. If you go long enough, I get some fries this time. Well, I'll just yeah, get the go. blender out, make you a smoothie here. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> some of the some of the leaders on Glenn's show that we've noted on, on his show have been like Joel Richardson, Tim LaHaye, John Hagee, uh, Ralph Reed, Jim Garlow, David Barton, who we've tried to get on our show with Chris Pinto. Had a hard time getting that one pulled. No, off, you really you couldn't set that up. You could I'm, not set up an I'm, interview. I'm trying, but uh, in the Washington Post article, Glenn Beck may be unlikely leader for conservative Christians. And, and feel free to interrupt me here. I'm just going to share a little narrative here. It says the Fox show to, uh, talk show host wanted their support from conservative Christians as he shifted from political commentary to a more spiritual message. He told the group of about 20, this is where God is leading me, Beck declared, according to Richard Land of the Southern Baptist Convention. See, they mentioned your buddy there. Uh, who was there along with Focus on the Family founder, James Dobson. Land said most in the group found Beck's faith genuine and heartfelt, though not everyone agreed to embrace him publicly. So in other words, they don't mind being different behind closed doors than when the rest of us are looking. Okay, He says, we walked back to the hotel after and said, well, that was extraordinary, Land said of his conversation with Dobson after the dinner in Manhattan. I've never heard a cultural figure of that popularity talking that overtly about his faith. He sounded like Billy Graham. Scholars of religion and politics were analyzing Beck's evangelical-like talk of being saved from drug and alcohol addiction. Some pastor bloggers were bemoaning what they consider the conflation of celebrity, politics, and spirituality. Politically, everyone is with it, but theologically, when he says the country should turn back to God, the question is, which God? Says Tom Tradup, uh, which is the VP for news at Salem Radio. Good for him. Uh, uh, he says, how much of this is turning to God? How much is religious revival and snake wall medicine show? He says, in a matter of hours, Beck went from a hugely popular media figure to a spiritual player, embracing a new and overtly religious rhetoric that made him sound like an evangelist. Um, he says in the days leading up to the rally, he described the president's religious belief as liberation theology that represented a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ as most Christians know it. Since he is such a great spokesman for the gospel of Jesus Christ, obviously. Um, uh, some people said that his show of faith was a calculated political effort to unite religious and social conservatives as the midterm uh, elections approach, which there may be other agendas here behind this. Uh, it was said that no Republican is going to win the White House if those two aren't united. Uh, here's a chance to infuse the Tea Party with l- religious rhetoric and extend an olive branch to those not engaged with financial issues. So, uh, and he talks here about his embrace and conversion from Catholicism to Mormonism. Um, 
so, you know, it goes on and on. His formation, he said, uh, Land accepted his invitation to be part of a group of 200 clergy members whom Beck calls the Black Road Regiment, a uh, reference to pastors from the Revolutionary War who stirred up opposition to colonial rule. Um, asked who would be considered conservative Christian leaders today, with Graham in his 90s and the recent death of Jerry Falwell, Land said that leaders are leaders because people follow them. Obviously, Glenn Beck is a leader. He's in a category by himself. He's he's not a minister, but he's not a politician. Uh, and conservative leaders of the future, Lindsay said, are less likely to be clergy members because it's harder to be an overt partisan and keep your tax-exempt status. Because it's always the financial end of things there. Yeah, you know? God's concerned with your uh, tax-exempt yeah. right. status. Right. What were you going to say there, Brandon? No, I was laughing yeah. at you. Yeah, uh, are with you. Not, yeah, not like that. <laughs> so that's what that happens. That's usually just in the emails. Uh, uh, he says that his restoring honor rally on Saturday, Beck claimed that our churches have fallen asleep. So I'm hope you're learning something here, Brother Brandon. And the thousands of clergy in the regiment who subscribe to his views on the role of religion in American life will start the heart of this nation again and put it where it belongs: our heart with God. Uh, and then he says later here that. Uh, the idea for this came from Beck's favorite theologian, David Barton, who I don't know if he speaks with you around the country or not, but he does with Beck. And um, you gonna uh, let he, me answer that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the answer to that is he did for about twelve years. And uh, when I put out my uh, article, Glenn Beck's Divine Destiny or God's Word, last August to two hundred thousand people, saying. Uh, don't go there and unite with him, Second Corinthians six fourteen, Second John nine through eleven. Don't do it. He has said he's going to unite all faiths to look to one God. It's a spiritual event. The Spirit's going to teach. Uh, don't go. Uh, David sent me an email, and like I said, David's been a very very close friend of mine for yeah. twelve years, and uh, been in my home and traveled with me all over the country. And I mean, really, been one of really one of my closest friends. I would consider him to be that, and. Uh, I would speak for our organization when a lot of groups, a lot of people couldn't get him to speak for him because of his schedule. He would speak for us. And uh, so he emailed me and said that he was concerned about the article. So I called him, and he said uh, he was getting phone calls from people, pastors, who were not going to participate in the uh, 827 event or 828 event, either one, because of my article. And I said, well, what do you have to do with that? And he said, well, oh, you don't know. I'm the one that's putting together... Uh, some of the representatives who are going to read different things from the Founding Fathers on a, at the 827 event, and I'm putting together the Black uh, Brigade, Black Robe Regiment for uh, 828. And I said, really? And I went on to share my concerns, as I did in the article, about this being uh, pluralism and ecumenicalism, and he assured me it wasn't going to be that. And I said, I know what your intentions might be, but Glenn Beck has already said he's going to unite all faiths and look to one God. And we had a rather lengthy conversation. Mm-hmm. It was rather yeah. co- very, very cordial, uh, but I couldn't convince him. And um, uh, that combined with the fact that I think David is into Dominion theology, I think he um, is, is prone to some of the philosophies of the Dominion theology crowd. Um, I have bec- come to understand through uh, my own research and watching some research of, of Chris Pinto and doing my own research to verify that what Chris is saying is true, that I don't think David has been completely accurate with us on America's history. Uh, and I think that partly is because it fits his dominion theology. Uh, and that's my concern. And I've been guilty of that for a lot of years in some yeah. of my books and DVDs. Uh, but I, I've got a, uh, 
I think we need to go back and have a real look at America's history and what was going on there. And um, uh, so, no, David no longer speaks for us. We've pulled his books and DVDs from our website. Uh, some of our DVDs we filmed of him. We spent thousands of dollars. Uh, and if I wanted to just make money, I'd keep them out right. shut and keep selling them. Right. But I'm not. I've, we've pulled the DVDs from our website, and um, we're, we're trying to be very honest about it. And uh, I'm very concerned that David has not only seemed to align himself with the Dominion Theology crowd, align himself with Glenn Beck and his ecumenical movement, uh, but he also uh, is a part of this um, DVD I was telling you about, The Source of the Secret. And um, wow. I warned him. I warned him uh, in March of 2008. Uh, I heard through a reporter, a Christian reporter called me and said, did you know that one of your speakers is appearing on this Source of the Secret DVD? And I said, what? And she said, yes, uh, David Martin's in the trailer. And I looked it up online, and there it was. And I thought, wait a minute, this is the Law of Attraction promoted by Oprah. And I said, give me a chance to call him, would you please? And maybe he doesn't realize what he's doing. And so I called him, and I told him, you don't want to be on this DVD. You need to – it says it hasn't come out yet. There's a trailer. There, it's a pre-promotion. Uh, I would urge you to get off of this thing. This is not good. It's not biblical. It will hurt you with the Christian community as well. But it's just unbiblical. And he shared with me that he believed that – and I told him this is what Oprah is promoting. And he shared with me that what Oprah is doing is unbiblical – but if you if you understand the law of attraction biblically, that it's not unbiblical if you do it right, and that was what the DVD was about. Mm-hmm. And on the DVD is a ton of the uh, Word of Faith right. characters. And so there are numerous reasons why it's very look, guys. This is very serious yeah. because we're talking about the we're talking about the authority of Scripture. I know. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're talking right. we're talking about the Bible in context. We're talking about Extra biblical revelations. Uh, we're talking about you know the, the Dominion theology crowd that believes in in the Rama word or the Rama word, the uh, uh, Ra- I guess you say Rama word that you know they're equal revelations that God is giving. They're equal to the Word of God, as C. Peter mm-hmm. Wagner says. Right. Um, you're, you're talking about really occultic practices that are used in the New Age, bringing them into Christianity. I mean, this, this is the Bible speaks to these issues, and we can't fool around with this, and we cannot prop up people, and then have other people confused. Um, I, I had a, I had a uh, congresswoman's daughter come up to me in Minneapolis. Or I spoke to 1,800 people on uh, October 17th of last year. And this congresswoman's husband and daughter came up to me. And I spent quite a bit of time talking about Glenn Beck and what he'd done in Washington, D.C., and why we couldn't join him, and the dangers of this religious syncretism and the coming of a one-world religion. And this congresswoman's high school daughter and husband came up to me and thanked me. And the daughter said, the teenage daughter said, I was at the 828 rally. I saw what went on. I was very confused. And I, I, I didn't feel this was right. And I, but I didn't know what was wrong. And tonight you've biblically given me the answers. And I want to thank you. And we've heard that kind of thing from lots of people. And the same thing goes with David Barton. David, you know, has been a good, good friend of mine, and this is very, very hard to do. Right, right. Um, but this gets very personal. It gets very close to home. And i got to tell you guys, it would be a lot easier just to keep my mouth shut, right. to maintain the friendship, keep bringing in a speaker that really brings in a good crowd, keep selling the DVDs we spent a lot of money to produce, and not be ostracized from the group, not to be seen as an outcast, not to be, oh, there's that Brandon House. He's at it again. He's after one more person. 
but these are biblical issues, and this is where we've got to be willing to do what the Bible says. And clearly, as we enter into these, what I think are the last days, we've got to be an example to people. And I'm hoping that by what I'm doing, as clearly as I can, as lovingly as I can, that I'm setting an example to say, you know what, House was willing to put his money where his mouth was. Mm-hmm. He was willing to be maybe uninvited to some events. He's maybe willing to lose some friendships over this, I mean, although I hope that doesn't happen. He's willing He's willing to um, lose some money over this, uh, be inconvenienced by it, because biblical truth is more important to him. And This is a shame, Brandon, because the Hall of Faith in Hebrews is so clear that when you really follow God's word and faith, that there's all sorts of riches and uh, well-being that comes. I think I remember people who lived in cave, caves and wore yeah. animal skins. It was a nice cave. Though. Yeah. And, and, were, and were perplexed and tossed about. And th- this is the lot of people who totally sell out for God. And most of the time, a lot of the oppression comes out from other people who also say, that yep. they're serving God. That's where you'll get most of, of that Christian, attack. Christian firing squads are mostly in circles, unfortunately. Uh, where did yeah, the well, I've, I've been telling our yeah. our audience that, that, that the watchman, if you're going to be a watchman on the wall, you better get your bulletproof jacket turned around and go on, on, you know, right. you're going to be shot in the back. And that's, that's, right. that's why I'm writing this book, Religious Trojan Horse, because I believe what is being set up is a religious Trojan horse. And, and, and some of these people are doing this out of lack of discernment. And how do you get discernment? By studying the Word of God in context, <laughs> not, uh, you know, out of context. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of these people lack discernment. Some of them, however, are willing participants. In other words, they some of them, I think, are following the model of Saul Alinsky or Antonio Gramsci or the Jesuits, and they're deliberately infiltrating evangelicals and evangelical groups and institutions in order to bring us back to a ecumenicalism, and my word, who's leading in the ecumenical march? Hmm, yeah, it seems to be the Catholic Church, this pope, the last pope, and then a lot of our evangelical leaders, or quote evangelical leaders, like uh, Rob Bell and Tony Jones and Doug Padgett and Brian McLaren, and I mean, uh, good grief, It's you You think that we're headed toward a one-world religion, but I, I've never read that there was ever going to be a one-world religion, Brother, so it's certainly Brandon, can't be that. These people are supposed to be the conscience of the American church. These are our national leaders that are doing this. You know, in this, this information I have here where they met with Lynn Beck, you've got people like James Dobson. Uh, are the ones that are coming and saying, this is right. I'll start right with you tomorrow, Glenn Beck. I'll do this. I mean, how many people look up to James Dobson? you got James Robison. You've got, again, Land and the Baptist. I come from a Southern Baptist background heritage. You know, this is good. These are our national leaders doing this. And I feel that what you just talked about regarding your painful situation with, with David Barton is the bigger story here even than the Beck story, is that the days that we're living in now means that you really have to decide where your real commitment is to Christ, and it makes some painful decisions. And and someone like myself, I like to be a people pleaser. I like for everybody to be happy with me and, and for everybody to be happy and well and good. And that is extremely painful when we get these kind of issues and people who are close to you, you find these things occur. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the example you set of making hard decisions like this. And I think one of the first times I, I, I'm surprised I had not heard more about your ministry until uh, not too long ago. I was getting some emails from people wanting to have you on our show. But also I saw I think you had a similar situation with Janet Porter, did you not? 
Yes, we did. Um, Janet uh, Porter Folger, or Janet Folger Porter, right. uh, wrote for our website, and uh, she would have me on her radio show frequently, and I would even sit in and guest host her radio show. And um, I started having red flags, thinking, wait a minute, this is even a little strange. Uh, and uh, pretty soon I figured out that uh, she was part of this whole Dominion Theology crowd. She wanted me to take part in her May Day and be there for that and promote it. And uh, I just did not have an easy feeling about it. I, I'd never heard of Rick Joyner. I'd never heard of Cindy Jacobs. I'd never heard of any of these people. Yeah. And um, uh, but, but I had a very strange feeling about the whole thing. And... Um, Sure enough, that's that's the players, and uh, I'll tell you what's going on here is exactly again the nationalism that went on in Germany. They yeah. they they set they they set theology and doctrine aside because they wanted to reclaim their country. They were willing to dissolve their denominations, come under the right bishop handpicked by Adolf Hitler in order to save the country. And sadly, what we have here is Christian leaders setting aside theology and doctrine, but some of them is that they don't know theology and doctrine. And I'm not trying to sound arrogant or like yeah. I know it all, because I, I don't. I don't know it all, and I, need, I have a lot more that I need to learn. But, but some of these leaders, we've made people leaders that, quite frankly, had no have leaders within the church. We've made them leaders within the church, and they have no credibility theologically and doctrinally. They, they, they're, they, they're still drinking milk instead of eating meat. And they still needed someone of, to teach them. I hate to think about that when I think about people like Dobson and others. We've had so many questions from their associations of guys like Eric Prince from uh, Blackwater, who's a major funder of their group, and the Council on National Policy, which is sort of the Council on Foreign Relations for, for these people. Big, big money bankrolling these people, and they look the other way. But these people have taught the Bible to millions of people around our country. Generations of people have learned the Bible based upon the discernment of these people. And these people have looked to them over their local churches. And we know local churches are messed up too. So I, I see these as very, very perilous days. And I just, I, I just want to use your example for our listeners, that when you are committed to Christ, that means you cannot be committed to any other teacher, any kind of radio show you listen to, anybody that you set up on a pedestal. You can only go in your commitment to Christ and his word, and you've got to be willing to let anybody go. Like Jesus said, you know, mother, father, sister, brother, whoever it is like this, when you see they depart from the faith, you try to gently restore them. We're all going to have some disagreements on some matters. I'm sure you would have some differences from us. Ours change over time. And and the other thing I've heard you that's encouraging, uh, Brother House, is that your, your thinking has changed over time and in a positive way that even though you're leading large groups of people, you have a huge ministry, you still consider yourself as maturing and learning as you go, which which means that God is still working and expanding who you are. And a lot of these leaders, when I've been with them at conferences, they have really not advanced their thinking in 20 years. And in fact, they've probably gotten stagnant and gone backwards. Uh, in well, a lot, lot of them are giving the same speeches. They're giving yes. a lot of the same speeches yeah. they've been giving for 20, 25 years. Right. And they're not learning anything new, and they're not reading. Um, you know, you ask them about philosophies and ideas that are ruling the day. They don't know what those philosophies are. They don't know, they don't know the, the worldviews that are, are competing with biblical Christianity. They, they just are living in a bubble. And uh, the other thing, too, is a lot of them don't get emails. They don't get... They don't have an email address, or they don't check their own email. They have a secretary or staff member that does it for them. And as a result, they never are learning from, you know, the listeners who are saying, hey, did you see this article? Hey, did you right. see this article? Hey, did you read this position paper? You know, I learned so much what I learned because my radio audience sends it to me, and then I check it out to see if it's credible, like 
people sending me DVDs of Chris Pinto and saying, hey, you need to consider what this guy's saying. Well, I'll tell you what, when, when, if you've got David Bart and these guys saying, Glenn Beck is saved or Glenn Beck is close to being saved, these are all some of the adjectives that were being used. And some of this stuff was because David Barton was telling them, uh, because some of these pastors have told me, well, David Barton told me that Glenn Beck is either saved or Glenn Beck is close to being saved. And um, I'm, uh, I got to thinking, wait a minute, if David cannot see, right. even though I've told him all these things in our conversations, if he cannot see that Glenn Beck is not even where near close to being saved, then maybe he's wrong about the founding fathers, too. Maybe the way he defines some of these guys as being, you know, godly men or America's godly heritage or some mm-hmm. of these guys being Christians, maybe we better go back and, and define what do you mean by Christian? I mean, let's go back to the basic worldview questions. What do you mean by that? Uh, Where did you get your information? Uh, you know, what if you're wrong? Uh, so let's ask first, what do you mean by Christian? By Christian, do you mean someone that has yielded their life to Jesus Christ and his lordship through faith and repentance? Or do you mean someone that's a Mormon? Or do you mean someone that's a Catholic? Or do you mean someone that is a universalist? Or do you mean someone that's a Freemason and following the great architect of the universe? Or do you mean that someone that's following Thomas Paine in the Age of Reason? What do you mean by Christian? And I thought, if he doesn't... If he can't see through Glenn Beck, okay, and, I, and I'm seeing through Glenn Beck just reading him and watching him, he's with Glenn Beck on a personal level. If he can't get straight questions out of Glenn about, hey, Glenn, what does it mean to be a Christian? Glenn, what does it mean to repent of your sins? I can, I'm not even mean with Glenn Beck, and I can tell you from reading him and watching him, he's giving false doctrine. And Jesus said you'll know them by the fruit, the fruit of their doctrine. So I thought, well, if David can't figure out who someone is, I like Glenn Beck, either saved or, quote, almost saved, then I better question what, whether he really knows mm-hmm. what were the founders Christian. And so people were sending me Pinto stuff, and to be honest with you, I was tossing it off to the side, thinking, yeah. I thought, this is some cr- crazy video. And uh, I finally put it in one night, and I was floored at the scholarship, the footnotes, the documentation. Uh, I called the guy up. I had co- multiple conversations with him. I shot a lot of questions at him. I went out and looked on the Internet trying to find out if this guy was a complete nut job. I, I tried to find things to contradict him. Not only did I find things that didn't contradict him, I found other researchers that I respected that were, were, were affirming what he was saying. I found other ministries of people I respected were carrying his DVDs. And so if we're not willing to learn and to say, you know what, I was wrong, and I've told my radio audience I've repented of this, mm-hmm. I've been guilty of Americanism. Uh, mm. I, I, look, we, this is a day and age where we better keep the cross above the flag, because I, I don't know if you guys even know this. I told Chris this last week. He didn't know this. Did you know that the Pledge of Allegiance was written by a Baptist pastor that was a Fabian socialist? And he, and he and his cousin started the Nationalist Movement in America and the Christian Socialist Society. His name was Francis Bellamy. And in 1891, he got the Pledge of Allegiance put into America's schools with the help of John Dewey and the National Education Association because he wanted to have kids involved in nationalism. That's what the kids of Germany were doing. Did you know that the kids in the, in the late 1800s and through the, up to the the World War II, were pledging the flag with a salute, like the right. Nazi salute. salute. With the yeah. yeah, yeah, we have the and pictures they changed, here. Yeah. They changed it after World War II, around World War II, but Francis Bellamy, he came up with that and wanted it to be a worldwide peace pledge. In fact, the original pledge was, I pledge allegiance to my flag. They later added the flag of the United States of America. But, and to the Republic, for which it stands. Well, Bellamy wanted it to be a worldwide peace pledge that all the socialist republics 
would say he did not want kids uh, being co committed to the individual sovereignty of individual states. He wanted them committed to pledging allegiance to the central government and its flag. And uh, yet, why have we not learned that? Why have we not learned that? Look, there's a revisionist history on the left. There's a revisionist history on the right. Amen. And people are Amen. using history for their, for their agenda. The Amen. left is using it because they, 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 they want to destroy any symbol of, of uh, absolutes and order mm -hmm. and law, and they want anarchy, and they want chaos. The right, some on the far right, have painted a, uh, uh, you know, this, this Christian you know, founders, and I think the colonies were very much committed to Christianity, the colonies, but the, 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 the revolutionaries were really involved in Age of Reason, they were involved in Thomas Paine, they were involved in Universalism, Freemasonry, the uh, great architect of the universe, and why are we not told this? Why do we not admit that guys like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and Franklin were actually very hostile to the gospel? Why don't we admit that some of these guys were Christian-friendly because, A, they were politicians, and every politician is ready to be Christian-friendly right. at election time. Why don't we admit that that was the culture of the day, so they had to talk in ways, but there were double meanings to a lot of their words, the same way there are double meanings to the words that Glenn Beck's used. Nothing when he says changed. God and Jesus yeah. and repentance, it's the same thing. He's double-speaking to appeal to an audience. Why don't we admit that some of these guys were actually hostile to the gospel while being friendly to Christian ideas in the civil arena? Is, is Glenn Beck friendly to Christian ideas in the civil arena? Yes. Is he hostile to the gospel? Of course. Right. What has changed? Glenn Beck fits in very well with many of our founding fathers. Right, and, and to understand that helps prepare you to have the proper frame of reference for exactly what these same politicians do today. And what you've just been describing is basically a capsule of the legacy of Future Quake. And uh, we're, we're getting ready to start our seventh year next week on the air in Future Quake. And it has been a legacy of making these discoveries and shocking our Bible Belt sensibilities uh, as loyal evangelical Christians, Bible-believing Christians, to recognize that, that we have swallowed a lot of bathwater along with the baby. Uh, that is yeah, our biblical have. faith, and uh, we are trying to decouple it. Sometimes we make missteps on this show. It's it's really harrowing, and you go down a lot of dark alleys when you start asking these questions uh, and associating with strange bedfellows and people who you're surprised to agree with at times when you're trying to find truth. But But it does bring you closer to God's Word. It makes God's Word more clear to you. It solves a lot of enigmas in the Bible when you're really willing to let go of all associations except for God's Word. Uh, but it will change the people who sometimes you associate with and where you get your information from. But it will make the Bible more and more true all the time. So we, we relate to this. And, in fact, in my own personal testimony, a Chris Pinto film, um, Riddles and Stone, had a, had a seminal moment for me when we, I, we you see George Bush reciting a phrase right out of the neo-platonic vision, uh, you know, from fire in the hearts of men. Uh, and when I see him saying this about spreading democracy around the globe, not being a Christian goal, but some other, you know, much farther back pagan goal to do this, suddenly the light bulb went on my head and I realized that I had the whole picture wrong. And yeah, this has been something exactly. that had really been bubbling for a long time. And, uh, I just want to thank you. You're probably one of the highest profile religious figures I know right now that is starting to understand this and get this. And, and I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're out there by yourself, there are a lot of younger uh, Christian podcasters, people on the Internet and others, who are reaching millions of people on the Internet and YouTube that are committed to the Bible. 
and they're seeing these kind of things, and they're, and they're not as tied to this Cold War view that we've sort of grown up in, people our age, uh, that have a hard time getting out of it to get a more biblical worldview, and they're able to see some of these kind of things, and they're doing wonderful things for Christ. So I just want to encourage you that they're ones coming behind you, but I can tell you they're not the people with the big money. Uh, the decisions that you've made recently have turned off the big money people. So... You're not going to get a lot of big checks written towards your ministry right now. You're not going to get calls to the White House or things like that. Uh, you're going to associate yourself with people that are the common folk because they don't have another agenda to sell. And I appreciate you setting the example for us in this. Well, I appreciate your saying those things. I do feel like I'm swinging in the wind a lot of the time because, uh, um, the club, man. You, you know, I, yeah. it, 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 I often tell my uh, folks that come to our conferences I am not very popular with the religious right. Uh, you know, yeah. um, let's just face it, Richard Land is not going to send me a uh, Christmas card, and neither is Rick Warren or Bill Hybels or any of these other guys, because I'm writing and it's warning the church that these guys are wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, and you know a wolf by his diet, they eat sheep. And uh, these guys are eating the sheep. And uh, and what what I mean by that is they're they're poisoning the sheep. Uh, and and you, they're bringing in, uh, well, Jude 3 and 4 speaks of men that have crept in unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second Peter speaks of men that have brought in heresies, deceptive heresies uh, that have been unnoticed. So our job is to be watchmen on the wall, uh, to expose every high and lofty thing lifted up against the principles of the Lord. When we do this, Galatians 4.16 says, uh, I've become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Uh, I, I tell the folks at our conferences and by the way, they can they can find out about our conferences all over the country at worldviewweekend.com. Uh, just go to worldviewweekend.com and find out where we're where we're where, where we're at. But I tell folks at our conferences, I hope you're being persecuted. And by persecuted, I don't I'm not saying I hope you, you get stoned or beheaded, right. but I hope people are, are 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 calling you names, and I hope that you're being called this is a divisive, and I hope you're being told that you're narrow-minded or you're bigoted because. That means you're speaking truth, and it's and I'll become your enemy because I tell you the truth. And Second Timothy three twelve says, "All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution." So if you're not being persecuted, you're probably not living a very godly life before men. And the Lord, Jesus said, that "If they hated me, surely they're going to hate you." But the hope is Romans eight eighteen that tells us that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And and yes, I do have a lot of people that say, "We sure are divisive," but you know, we read in First Corinthians where uh, I believe it's the Apostle Paul writing First Corinthians says, uh, I, I hear that there are divisions among you when you come together in the church, uh, and in part I believe it, but there must be factions among you in order to know who is being faithful, uh, in order to know who is approved. So when people say you're divisive, my response is, I hope so. I hope I'm divisive with the Word of God, for the Word of God is a living and active and a double-edged sword, dividing truth from error. And so we have to divide truth and error. We use the Bible to do it. That will create factions, and it will even create factions in the church. But you have guys like Rick Warren, and who were yeah. discipled by uh, Peter Drucker, who are creating, who, who are deliberately saying, whoa, we have to have unity. And I'll tell you what they're doing, and I know we're running out of time, but I'll tell you what they're doing. And this is the gist of my whole new book coming out in uh, September, is they are transforming the church on purpose to take the church from being an obstacle to their New World Order to promoting the New World Order. And so what they do is they bring in the unbeliever, they set up the thesis and the antithesis, right. they get the unbeliever and the believer to pit against each other, and as Saul Linsky said, the change comes from the conflict. So the believer then compromises on the Word of God in order to have group consensus, 
And then what you end up with then is a seeker-friendly, center-sensitive, lukewarm church that now no longer is teaching the whole counsel of God, but it's just a social club. And it's, it's, it's the communitarian model for completely co-opting the church. And people don't realize that when they bring in the unbeliever through this seeker-sensitive model, which is totally contrary to the New Testament model of the church, that what they're doing is trying to get the believer to give up, to back off, because all of a sudden consensus, tolerance, unity, uh, groupthink, collectivism, those are, the, those are the high virtues of the day. And so people then quit defending the inerrancy of Scripture, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, tr- theology and doctrine, and then within a few years, that once solid evangelical church is now not worth a pitcher of warm spit. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. These pastors are reading books and going to conferences, and most of them probably don't realize the books and conferences are actually written by people who are very, very hostile to Christianity, that these people are really anti-Christ, like Peter Drucker, who didn't believe in moral absolutes for society. Peter Drucker, who mentored Rick Warren, who said that the thou and the I are one, which is found in all the world's major religions. Mm-hmm. That's Eastern mysticism. So you're reading guys and learning from guys who are deliberately anti-Christ. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. That is what an anti-Christ is, one who denies that right. Jesus came in the flesh. And they're trying to co-opt the church and destroy it. And America's pastors are buying it hook, line, and sinker and bringing poison back to the sheep and it's killing off the sheep. Uh, or what it's doing is driving away the sheep and leaving a church filled up with a bunch of goats. And uh, this is the error of, uh, uh, this is the problem of our era and the problem of our day. And I believe this false dominant church is being created. And that's what we're warning about in my new book coming out. And we actually have a four part DVD series that's already available online, uh, four and a half hours called Religious Trojan Horse that they can get, which explains everything I've been saying here the last few minutes for four and a half hours in great detail and great documentation. And by the way, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund are funding and sponsoring right in the open a lot of these conferences. Well, you better ask yourself, why is the Council of Foreign Relations and the Rockefellers sponsoring church growth conferences? Exactly. Because the Rockefellers years ago said that they were going to use the church. David Rockefeller Jr. said the church would lead the way in the diminishing of all denominations. All denominations will be set aside. The church will lead the way in literally establishing God's kingdom on earth. Well, that's dominion theology. So the globalist crowd, the new apostolic reformation, the Americanism crowd, they're all working together. But let me, guess, let me tell you something. Jesus clearly said his kingdom is not of this world. It's not from here. We build it in the spiritual realm, not by electing people to office, but by preaching the gospel. And if you're going to vote for people for office, you better be voting for people who have the first goal of any elected official in mind, which should be to keep the pulpit free. Keep the pulpit free. And if they're not committed to keeping the pulpit free and using their job, fulfill the purpose of government, Romans 13, reward the righteous, punish the wicked, and so that the church can preach the gospel, the family can disciple their children, then we're missing the boat. Again, why are you guys wanting liberty and freedom, I have to ask? Is it so you can buy more flat screen TVs or so you can put out the gospel? Well, the Dominion Theology crowd isn't presenting the gospel because they define the Great Commission not as bringing people to salvation through Christ alone, C. Peter Wagner, the Minion Theology crowd, defines the Great Commission as awakening up Christians, awakening Christians to take back the culture. No, the Great Commission is bringing the lost to Jesus Christ and then teaching them what the Bible says. So these guys are not even committed to evangelism, which is why when you hear a lot of these guys preaching Americanism, they never define what they mean by revival, and they never give the gospel. Right. 
Amen, brother. I don't know what else I can say other than, uh, you know, that's been a similar experience to us in your yeah. message. And we appreciate you being a high-profile person um, taking this very brave message out. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming, and, and I want to close here with how our, our listeners can get these materials that you've cited and others with your with your ministry. Uh, but I'm I'm assuming that a lot of your materials, and you make a lot of it, are they very big hit in your national uh, Christian uh, bookstores? Are they big sellers? <laughs> you mean like uh, uh, Worst Way Bookstore? Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, sort of like the one headquartered yeah. here in Nashville. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. it sounds very silly. No. Are, are your materials really best sellers in these national Christian bookstore chains? I, I do not even I do not even distribute through them. I could, I suppose. I don't distribute through them. We made a decision a few years ago not to distribute through a lot of the distributors. Um, I, got, I became concerned when I realized that one of the largest distributors of Christian uh, resources was also reportedly one of the largest distributors of pornography in America. Mm-hmm. Well, I would wow. say I would say you that, see a lot of the some of the Christian distributors are owned by secular companies. Right. Some of the biggest pu- Christian publishing companies are owned by secular companies, and and I just got tired of the whole thing. It makes me want to vomit, to be honest with you. So we just sell it uh, on our website. We right. sell it at our conferences. You know what? I, I, people have to ask me, how can you do what you do and still still stay afloat? Right. You know why? Because I don't run around to everybody else's conferences and speak. I do my own. And when you when you are dependent on speaking at churches for an honorarium, dependent on being invited to someone's conference to speak, then you've got to be careful what you say, because if you're not, you're going to upset this pastor, and he's not going to invite you to speak. You're going to upset right. that pastor, and he's not going to invite you to speak. And then you're going to upset that conference coordinator, and he's not going to invite you to speak, because you just criticized one of his friends or one of his speakers from last year or one of his speakers from next year. Well, the thing about me is I'm pretty independent, and uh, and that drives some of the religious right crazy. I'm pretty mm-hmm. independent because I do my own conferences, so I'm not dependent on uh, my living being politically correct among the de- definition of the religious right uh, in order to get invited to speak at a church or conferences, because I don't speak at many churches and conferences. I host about 35 to 50 in my own conferences, and we go into 90% hotel ballrooms, and the last several months... of our conferences have been filled to capacity, people sitting out in the foyer, because we're giving them what the religious right, Mm -hmm. by large, won't give them, and what Christian radio won't give them. In fact, I I had a major Christian broadcaster out of the Midwest email me and tell me, I'm very aware of your criticisms of Glenn Beck, Brandon, but wouldn't it be just like God to use Glenn Beck, a messed up Mormon, and his messed up Mormon (laughs) theology to be the spark that begins revival in the church? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. God's going to bless what he's already condemned his word to start a revival? That's not going to be revival. It's going to be judgment. So, you know, the one thing I'm thankful for is it seems over the last few years we've become more and more uh, going directly to the people. We go directly with, to the people with our radio show. We do have a radio network and radio stations that carry us, but mm-hmm. thankfully my radio network is just so on board with what I'm doing. But our publishing, we own our own publishing division now. We sell. We always sell about 90% of the books anyway, so why give the publisher all the money when we're selling all the books anyway. So we started our own publishing division. We have our own websites. We have nine servers. We do our own conferences. We have our own magazine. You know, we're very independent. And because we're very independent, we say whatever needs to be said, and if people don't like it, then don't buy my books, don't listen to my radio show, don't listen to my TV show, don't come, don't come around. But we are thankful for the, the radio stations and the uh, radio networks and the TV stations that do carry us. But again, those are generally people that are very, very much on board with what we're saying. Uh, it's not the mainstream of the religious right. Uh, uh, when I say religious right, 
that doesn't really mean anything anymore. I mean, that's everybody right. from Dominion Theology to, right. to, to Rob Bell, for Pete's sake. Right, yeah, it becomes more uh, religious wrong instead of religious <laughs> yeah. right, the way things go. You know, I'm not surprised what you said about the bookstores, and I said that tongue-in-cheek because your material is not what they're looking for because it won't sell and it doesn't itch ears. And when you said pornography, I, I you know, I first thought that there's a whole lot of spiritual pornography in those bookstores. Uh, when you look on their shelves, in fact, we were in there not long ago. We had a fellow broadcaster in there trying to pick up a Spanish Bible, and and I happened to ask one of the people, "Do y'all have any books on Bible prophecy? Or where's your Bible prophecy section?" And they said, "Well, we have a corporate policy that we don't have Bible prophecy." <laughs> and I'm who said that? Can you tell me who said that? I was in Lifeway. It was their downtown headquarters one, and and I thought, you know, isn't that something like 35 percent of the Bible are are passages yeah. with prophetic implication, and we don't carry it. By policy, so I, I see there's something big afoot in the church. I I don't think that the non-American church has as far to go with this. They they haven't had this hang up, but we really do have it here, and it's sifting out strange associations with people. And we're glad uh, to to be acquainted with you. Uh, we all have our differences on some issues. We're still all sorting out. But it's just refreshing to hear someone independent, not worried about what other uh, powerful Christian figures think about them that influence their position. And uh, we just want to wish our very best for you for your ministry. And if there's anything we can do uh, to call on us here at Future Quake, uh, we're just up the road. Well, you know what? You can you can make that check out for a hundred thousand to World okay. Weekend, yeah. and, and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's our tip. Yeah. That's our typical gift. I'll be we happy get. to do that. Yeah. It might bounce, but um. well, that's our that's, that's our typical guest we get in a normal week from our listeners. Well, I appreciate that. That'd be a real blessing for you to well, send us. Yeah. We have to share, sell a lot of prayer cloths <laughs> yeah. that we put on our bodies. Get that kind well, of money. Okay, going no, I appreciate in. you guys, and I'm glad to know you're out there, and I'm glad you guys have a good sense of humor. And uh, uh, no, we don't. We don't. Uh, we, we're not calculating and uh, saying, you know, if we put this out. This yeah. is gonna hurt us, or this is gonna cause yeah. us to to lose friends. I, you know, it, this this stuff we just put out on our four and a half hour DVD series, uh, Religious Trojan Horse. I mean, we're naming names. I mean, we're naming names left and right, and some people really are upset with us that we name yeah. names like we do. And uh, you know, I cannot tell you some of the major religious leaders. If I said their name, you'd know them. Have said to me over the years, "Do you really want to be known as the guy that?" That, that, that's stirring this up. Do you really want to be the guy that takes this on? You know, it's funny to me how many of these religious right leaders, uh, and I know this firsthand, like to sit in the tall grass. Uh, you know, they, they think something ought to be done about it, but they, they want someone else to do it. They don't want to say it. They don't want to do it. Because they're so afraid of controversy. They're so afraid of being seen as being controversial. I don't know when it became a bad thing to be controversial uh, when, when it's biblically sound. Uh, you know, I think Anna Whitehall-Smith used to have a write about, uh, she spoke of uh, Bill Borden, the man who went to the mission field and died when he could have taken yeah. a job as the CEO of Borden Milk Industries. He gave up the corner office and this big brass ring and went to the mission field and contracted meningitis before he even finished his training and died. And Anna Whitehall-Smith said he was in reckless abandonment for Christ. Well, most of your Christian leaders are not in reckless abandonment because they're so concerned about their book royalties and their next contract deal and, and their next convention they're going to and how they might run into this guy. And so it's a club. It's a club. And they endorse each other's books and they sell each other's books on, on their TV shows and radio shows and ministries. And so it's a big old, it's a big old incestuous relationship, really. And, uh, I just don't play those games. I don't mm -hmm. belong to a lot of these, uh, 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 
conventions and clubs and groups and, and I don't run over to them and, and take part in these things. Um, you know, I just I just don't have time for it. I'm too busy cranking out books and doing a daily radio show and a weekly TV show and writing columns. But uh, for a lot of these guys, it's a um, very calculated. Everything they do is extremely calculated uh, as far, in part of a really a marketing uh, strategy and uh, what will best – it's pragmatism. They're committed to pragmatism, not the right. truth. And that's right. what we try to do is be committed to the truth. Well, you burn those kind of bridges and all you got supporting you is God. And uh, then you start worried about just pleasing God and nobody else, you know. And I know that's scary to a lot of them, but I'm glad that you feel that way. And we're so happy to have you on our show. We hope you'll come back again. Uh, we have a lot of topics sure. I think you you would find very interesting that we cover on this show. Uh, can you tell our listeners, again, how they can uh, get to your website and your materials, check out your radio show yeah. and the like? They're always looking for something different to listen to instead of Future Quake. So you might, <laughs> sure, yeah. you might relieve them from, from this uh, you know, abyss to go to something better. Well, <laughs> well uh, they can go to worldviewweekend.com, spelled together all one word, worldviewweekend.com. They'll find our, our radio show. They can watch a, a lot of video clips. They can watch a lot of our TV shows and our videos. We put a lot of the portions of our videos up there for free for them to watch. So columns, radio shows, TV shows, uh, worldviewweekend.com. I have many, many, many columnists that write for me. Uh, Chris Pinto is working on a couple pieces right now. And so uh, worldviewweekend.com. All right. Well, we sure hope that you stay in touch with us. We got through approximately half of the materials on Glimbeck we want to cover, so that's pretty typical for us. We thank you for spending a few extra minutes with us here. Uh, what you had to say about uh, the commitments that you've had to make in your ministry were as or more important than the original material we had, and we so appreciate that. We think that was a God thing for you to cover. Glad that. to we'd, do it. We'd appreciate your prayers for our ministry as well. And uh, we're going to say goodbye to you in this interview. If you can hang on to the phone just a moment after that. Um, but uh, we want to just wish our best for your ministry. And we will put your link up uh, to futurequake.com. Feel free to check us out. By the way, we'll be speaking at a conference this weekend, uh, both of us, that you may find interesting up in Fort Wayne called the Politics of Religion Conference. And, really? Uh, I was, we just held a, our World Week Weekend Rally in Fort Wayne Sunday, uh, Saturday night at a full house. Is wow. that right? Well, I don't know if we're going to have quite that size an audience, but it's it's an ad hoc grassroots meeting, and we we invite everybody to come. We're we're speaking on some topics you definitely won't hear about in these other conferences. I'm talking about the concept of the separation of church and state, and what should the evangelical Christian, based upon Scripture, view that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're speaking on false flag terror history in America. Yeah, false flag terrorism and clandestine regime change, 1945 to present. I'm Two assuming hours. it's not going to be a good word for Americanism, is my prediction. No, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got a, a lot of uh, talking about uh, the, the Antichrist kingdom and what he's doing in the politics of our country today that will help facilitate his reign from uh, a bunch of prominent speakers from around the country. And uh, I suggest you check that video out when it's done. You'll, you'll see some old hands, but you'll see some of the best and the brightest that are coming up that I think will really encourage you when you hear what they have to say. Thank you, guys. That's well, great. That's God bless, great. God bless you, brother, and we look forward to having you soon. And um, take care, and we'll have you back here soon on Future Quake. Thank you. We're back at the Future Quake show with Dr. Future. And Tom Bionic. Well, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And that was an interesting talk with a new friend that we had there. Yeah, indeed. With Brandon House. What, are, what were your thoughts? Well, 
you know what? It's a it's a long overdue meeting. Um, I find it interesting. I mean, beyond the Glenn Beck information, what God is doing to sort of separate out people who are thinking a certain way in the body of Christ in America and those mm-hmm. that aren't in different leaders. And I see some interesting things going on with Brother Brandon that I think you and I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm sure we have some differences on some issues, it's pretty mm-hmm. clear, which who doesn't. But the fact is, he's starting, he, and he already said by his own confession, starting to see that his convictions have caused him to have to part company with mm-hmm. some well-known people, and he's had to take that narrow path rather than the wide one. Well, you know, it's uh, similarly to that, one of the things that impresses me the most about him uh, and indeed, it's because I see such an incredible lack of it here today yeah. in general is is personal holiness. You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. much what you're talking about. The yeah. fact that he's willing to say, I believe this is right and this is what I'm going to do. And if it distance me, distances me from from friends and stuff, and I, I really hate that, but the truth is more important than mm-hmm. good friends or, right. you know. Or prestige. And, you know, he's got a big ministry. He's got a lot to support. I mean, it's a lot bigger than our little claptrap we do here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, those kind of things would go in your mind, and it shows that he believes what he says Mm -hmm. and that he's willing to risk all those kind of things to, you know, and that had to be difficult with him and his friend David Barton. Yeah. That had to be tough. I mean, I I hope that we can be found faithful the same way. Sure. Uh, I hope we can do that in, in the kind of role model of what Indeed. he shows. Indeed. And that you I'm come in here with a Hahnemann doll. We're going to have to have a long talk. Okay. <laughs> in my pocket, like the press. Yeah. You know, because uh, the days are coming where I think this is going to happen more. Mm-hmm. And I hope that even those of us who are really committed but have differences, that the Lord will bring us together, help solve yeah. some of our differences. That's a hard one. That's a hard one for me because sometimes I get so wrapped around the axle on one particular doctrinal point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to separate, like, you know. The right. Basic. And But then, on the other hand, there's things that are just so obvious. It's like. But then you know. we have major leaders selling out the majors of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. I, that, I, I don't understand. I don't, yeah. I just don't understand that. Why are people. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm very excited about that. And, uh, again, I wish him the very best and that the Lord would continue mm-hmm. to show him some things as well as for us, too. Yeah. I know a lot of our listeners at email wish they'd show us a whole lot more. Yeah. Than what we have. a lot of people frustrated with some of our unpopular positions, yeah, but the overwhelming but the overwhelming number of people are really excited about it, and uh, um, we're making new relationships with new believers in in new places as well too. Oh. So it's just exciting to see what God is doing that kind of front. Um, I guess at the time this originally airs, you and I are going to be at the Politics of Religion conference. I'll be a speaking, and about uh, yeah. the time that. Uh uh, I usually download it and listen back to all my irrational flubbubs. Yeah, yeah. we we uh, hope to have a report from all from our friends who are there with us. We'll be back doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to mention before we get off here that um, we did have uh, a couple people donate to our ministry uh, mm-hmm. this week. Louise, thanks, uh, Louise, and Luke. And uh, thanks, Luke, Luke. I really appreciate that very much. And uh, we will try to be good stewards of that and keep staying engaged in the mystery we're doing and and getting some more material out the door using that to help some expenses to get some more things mm-hmm. out for us to say and believe me you and i are working around the clock aren't we trying to do I'm what we so can whether it's tired. good or bad i can't even i, I know can't you look exhausted collapse on the floor man. i know i know uh but somebody who's not exhausted is murph who can tell you how to contact us at future quake 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we need to go. All right, man. We hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, We'll be back to our regular uh, shindig next week. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. See you. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.